Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're, we're so glad that you're here today. Hope you've had a great week. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the lady that was locked her keys in her car on the wrong side of town? You know, if you've ever done that, you know, the pressure of that. And she was trying to get her door open and, and she had a coat hanger trying to unlock the door, could not get it open. And finally, she, in desperation, she prayed. She said, God, would you please send somebody to help me? You know, sure enough, a few minutes later, there's an old rusted out car come driving up. And out of that car came this uh, rough looking character with tattoos over with a skull cap on him. And um, she, he said, do you need any help? She said, yeah, I need to get my door open. He said, let me help you. And he took that coat hanger and pulled it up and opened her door almost instantly. Man, she was surprised. She said, thank you, thank you. You're such a nice man. He said, oh, no, I'm not. He said, I just got out of prison uh, two hours ago. What were you in prison for? He said, auto theft. (laughs) And she said, thank you, Lord, for sending a professional. (laughs) You know, sometimes when we pray, uh, God sends a professional. He does immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine according to his power that works in us. And as Sarah said, we're starting our final week of 21 days of prayer. And we believe here that we create the future in prayer. If you want to know what your future looks like, just look at your prayers. And I believe that that God hears and answers that. When I look around our, our community, I realize that there are families that are hurting. There are people that are going through difficult seasons. And I know that that we are in a spiritual battle. And that we should pray like we've never prayed before. You know, 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, um, the Apostle Paul went to the city of Ephesus and planted a church there. After he got the church strong, he left that city and went to another city and planted a church there. That's how he became an apostle. The word apostle actually means one who is sent uh, on a mission. He is a missionary. So when you see the word apostle, you can see that person is a missionary. And so one way that he uh, attempted to lead those congregations or strengthen those congregations in the faith is that he would write letters. In those days, those letters were called epistles. And today we're going to look at uh, a letter to the church at Ephesus as he is writing to this group of people to try to encourage them in their faith and strengthen them and their walk with Christ. Um, Now, as he is writing this letter, he is writing it from a prison cell in Rome where he was arrested for preaching the gospel. And so uh, today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, the last little section of the book where he is uh, closing out his words to this congregation and he is saying it this way. He said, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He said, be strong. He's telling us that we need to be strong. When we think about strength, we think about those things that we can do with our own two hands. But he said, I want you to be strong in the Lord. In other words, put your faith in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
When he's talking about the mighty power, he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, he told the disciples, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem until you're endued or uh, given this power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we gather so many times on 21 Days of Prayer and we say, God, get the junk out of our lives and fill us with the Holy Spirit. We want this mighty power that the Bible is talking about. He said, be strong. Paul is saying to this group of people, hey, I know what you're going through, and I know you're going through a difficult season, and I know that you feel like people in this community are working against you. But you can get through this. With God's help, you can get through this. I need you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He is reminding uh, the people there that they have a power that is greater than themselves that they have been given this strength to do what God has called them to do. And this message is for all of us. It speaks to that group of people in A.D. 60, but it also speaks to us, that God has a plan for your life, and he's going to give you the strength and the power. And over the next few minutes, as we look at this chapter, I believe that everyone here, that we can grow stronger in our prayer life and stronger in our faith if we embrace at least three principles from this passage of Scripture. Next verse said, Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Paul is writing these closing um, remarks to these people to say, Hey, I need you to be alert There's a temptation to get comfortable. There's a temptation to let down your guard. There's a temptation just to leave the door of your life just slightly cracked open for the enemy to come in and to influence your life. And so he's writing these words to encourage them to stand their ground because there's a spiritual battle raging. And he said, I want you to be ready for it. The problem is so many of us are not ready for it because we can't see it. Because oftentimes this spiritual battle is taking place behind the scenes. It's like there are uh, forces working behind the scenes that war against us. It's that war against light and darkness, uh, and good and evil, and God and Satan. And what Paul is saying here is, I need you to be prepared for the battle. I need you to get ready for it because it is happening. So here's the first thing. I must get dressed for the battle. You know, if you're in the military, the military is going to assign you a uniform that you're to wear. And it's going to give you, they're going to give you equipment for you to wear and to use as you go into the battle. Same way is true with athletics. College football starting in a few days, less than two weeks away. And you know, when your team goes out on the field, the coach is going to make sure that they have the right equipment. They're going to have the right pads on. They're going to have a a helmet on. They're going to have a mouth guard on. They're going to go there to do battle against their opponents. The coach would never send his players out into the field without the proper equipment to do the job that they are trying to do on that particular uh, game. The same way Paul is saying, God is sending you out into this community, but he's sending you out with the right equipment. And I need you to get dressed for the battle. In fact, God has given us, and we'll see it in these coming verses, the armor of God. And the armor of God gives us that ability to defend ourselves, 
to defend ourselves against the attacks that come our way. So we've got to get dressed for the battle. The second thing is, I must know who my real enemy is. I must know my real enemy. When we look around the world, we all know that the world is in trouble. There's a mess going on. And it is very easy for us to determine who caused this mess. So who caused the mess? Why, why are we suffering like this? We, we point our fingers. It's the Republicans. They're the ones that caused this mess. Then there's another group that said, no, it's the Democrats over here. They're the ones that caused this mess. No, it's the socialists. They caused it. No, it is the progressives. We love to point our fingers at people and say, you're the reason that we're in such a mess here. Who's responsible for the mess in our society? Well, it must be those militant Muslims. That's who it is. That is as clear as day. They're the problems that we, they're the reason we're in this mess. But let me say this. People are not the real problems. They're not the real enemies here. And you say, wait a minute. What are you saying? People are my problem. I mean, have you not met my husband? He's a problem. You must not know him. Or have you not met my wife? Or, or how about my boss? Man, he is a problem. Wait a minute. Paul goes on to unpack this. Unpack this In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, he says, For our struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, it's against authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And it's against spiritual forces of evil. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not with the folks that are down the hall in the corner office. Our struggle really ultimately is with Satan. It's with the devil himself. He is the force of evil. And Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your work ethic. He wants to destroy your career. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your finances. And he is scheming behind the scenes to make your life miserable. And I realize that when I say that, some of you clock out. Said, you mean you believe in a devil? I don't believe in a devil. I mean, you start to think immediately. All the devil is is that cartoon character dressed in red with a uh, with horns and a pitchfork. But let me tell you, he's real. That there is an evil force at loose uh, in this world. I've seen it. You say, well, how do I know that? Look at the Holocaust. How else can you explain the Holocaust? Six million Jews being killed? How about 9-11? How else can you explain somebody driving an airplane into an office building? An office building where people got up that morning and went to work to earn a living to take care of their family. How do you explain that? Except it's evil. And Satan is the author of evil. And we are in this battle, this cosmic battle between good and evil, light and darkness, between God and the devil. And Satan has come, as the Bible says, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've got good news. Jesus has already won the battle. And when Jesus lives inside of you, 
You have his power and you have his strength living inside of you. This is the message of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That you have a power, the power of Jesus living in you. And that power is greater than the power of evil that's around you. And so many times we don't use what we've been given. Here's the third point. I must use every piece of the armor. I've got to use the tools that God has given me to stay safe. Probably 25 years ago, probably 30 years ago, uh, I started incorporating the Lord's Prayer as a daily part of my life. That I would pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That rulership, the reign of Jesus, let it come and let it be established in me. Let it be established on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oftentimes, when I pray that, my mind immediately goes to Ephesians chapter 6, the chapter that we're in. Deliver us from evil because in these verses, God gives us a picture of his protection. He gives us a picture of his armor and that I go through that and I think about how I can use what has been given to me, the armor of God that is given to me. And it will provide strength, spiritual strength for us, for me to press through and to get through what I am going through. He said, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so when the day of evil comes, When the day of evil comes, and it will come, it will come. And some of you know that because some of you have just come through a problem. And some of you are struggling with a problem right now. And some of you say, oh, my life is cool. Well, guess what? Just around the corner, there's another problem. Because this world is not heaven. This world is not perfect. This is a fallen world and we are living under the curse of the enemy. That's why Jesus came to reverse the curse and that we can be set free. He says, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what? To stand your ground. You'll be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, what does it say? Stand. Some of you feel like that you have done everything you know to do to stand. I don't know what else to do. Read this verse. After you've done everything, everything you know to do, everything your friends have told you to do, everything you know, stand there anyway. Stand firm then. I want you to stand firm because the power that is in you is greater than the power that is against you. And I want you to stand firm in the faith that God hears and God answers your prayer. That God gives you the strength that you need to press forward. As Paul is writing this letter, he is in prison. 
he is chained to a Roman centurion. So 24 hours a day, he is looking at this guy this, that is guarding him. And this guy has a uniform on. And he, he sees this uniform, but he sees this as a way to communicate the strength of the Lord to his people. So he takes that and uses it as a prop. And he starts to look at it. And he said the very first thing that that centurion does when he, after he puts on his tunic, he puts on this big belt. He puts on this big belt. Some of you have seen maybe wrestlers. Have you ever seen wrestlers or, or weightlifters? How about weightlifters? Uh, right before they go and pick up the barbells with the weights on them, they put on a belt. Why do they put on a belt? Because that belt gives them stability. So that they can go and they can pick up the weight. It gives them stability. In the same way, I believe uh, we see in this verse, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Put on a belt of truth. Now, the belt of truth represents integrity. Integrity is knowing and it is doing The truth. The belt of truth represents integrity. Integrity is knowing and doing the truth. It's the belt that holds everything together. It is so important that you and I learn what it means to live lives of integrity. That we live lives of truth and truthfulness. Now, integrity to me doesn't mean perfection. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect and we all make mistakes. Here's what it means. Integrity means that you act the same way with everybody. In other words, you're going to act the same way here at church as you do at work. You're going to act the same way at home as you do on the ball field or maybe on the ball field as you do at home. That you're the same person. Now, the opposite of integrity is knowing the truth And not doing the truth. The opposite of integrity is when you know the truth, but you don't do it. What's that? There's a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. Now, what does the word hypocrisy or hypocrite mean? It means that you wear a mask. And that's what the original, you're wearing a mask that out to everybody else, you look a certain way, but behind the mask, you're a different person. God has called us to wear a belt of truth that we not only know the truth, but we will do the truth. He said, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The second thing, the breastplate of righteousness represents a pure heart. Purity means keeping your motives clear. When you're saying, God, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness and you're praying this prayer. God, give me the belt of truth so that I can walk in integrity, so that I can walk in your word. Because I know that the truth uh, will set me free. God, today I am putting on the breastplate of righteousness and I ask that you would protect my heart. That you would give me a pure heart. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. God, give me, protect my heart. 
protect my innermost beings. My innermost being, give me that protection. Give me that purity. Now, purity doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. Being pure means that, e- that you may do something wrong, but you have it in your heart to make it right. That when you do slip up, your, your goal is, is to do better next time. It's, it's to, to move in that direction of purity. God, give me that breastplate of righteousness. The third thing, he says, oh, give me the readiness with a uh, give me shoes of peace. Give me the readiness for the gospel of peace. A Roman soldier, when they would get ready for battle, they'd put on their shoes. And, they, and Paul is looking down at this soldier, and he is seeing these hobnails on the bottom of his feet. Now, why is that important? Because when he is there, he is doing hand-to-hand combat. And so when he has nails in the bottom of his feet, it gives him a firm setting where he can fight against that person without slipping and falling. We often see this in, uh, uh, in our sports teams. If you play baseball, if you play football, what are you going to do? You're going to wear cleats. Those cleats are going to go down to give you a firm footing so that you can catch the ball, so that you can um, throw the ball, so that you can uh, defend your quarterback. If you play golf, you're going to wear um, uh, a golf shoe so that you're firm, so that when you hit that driver, that you can hit it straight. Well, the right golf shoes will help, but it's not going to make me hit it straight. Here's the point. The shoes of peace represent serenity. This focuses on living in peace and speaking peace to other people. Paul says, you know, you shod, uh, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of readiness, the gospel of peace. We're to be peacemakers in our community. We're to speak peace. Now, when I think about peace, there are three kinds of peace. There's peace with God, there's peace with myself, and then there's peace with other people. Well, where do we get that peace? In in Psalm chapter 119 and 165, it says, great peace are those who love your law. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. And so when we get ready for battle and we're putting on the armor of God, we're putting on shoes, uh, uh, the, the shoes of peace. Because we know that if we're peacemakers, nothing's, we're not going to stumble in the process. I think about it. Tomorrow you're going to go to work or you're going to go to school. And you need to wear the shoes of peace. You need to be Peacemakers. Because there's a good possibility that there's going to be a problem or a conflict that you have to deal with. Some of you are dreading tomorrow because this problem has been raging for some time. And tomorrow is D-Day. It's the day that you've, you've made a decision. You're going to deal with it. You're going to deal with it. Let's be real practical. When you deal with this problem, you've got to envision yourself walking into that room to deal with the problem. And you understand, first of all, that the person you're dealing with, they're not the problem. There's a deeper spiritual issue. That, so maybe you, first of all, you pray over that situation. You pray over your office and ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight. But know this, you're walking in there with, an oper- with two uh, pails in your hand, in essence. 
And you're going and there's a fire brewing and you want to address the fire. They've created a fire and you've got two pails. One of them is a pail of water and one of them is a pail of gasoline. And so tomorrow, see yourself going into this situation with two pails. One with water or gasoline. You can either put the fire out or you can blow the whole thing up. And some of you said, Marty, I want to trade that other bucket of water for another bucket of gasoline so I can make sure that I blow it up and I burn it down because I am sick and tired of this mess. Well, you may be sick and tired of this mess, but, but it's just time out for a moment. Just time out. Pour water on it. Be a peacemaker. Put on the shoes of peace and, and live in peace and speak peace. In fact, that's what uh, the book of Romans says. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I love that verse because it says, as long as it depends on, as far as it depends on you. You've got to do your part, but some people you just can't live at peace with because they're not going to reciprocate. They don't want peace. So you've got to have wisdom as you go into that. Some people don't want peace. And I would just say, uh, make sure you have your breastplate of righteousness on and make sure all of that's taken care of because you may be attacked tomorrow. You're trying to bring peace and they're coming at you with a club. So uh, be wise in that situation. Let's move on. The next one he talks about is the shield of faith. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. This is where that's important because you may be hit with those flaming arrows that are coming your way. The fourth thing is the shield of faith is a symbol of certainty. Now, faith is trusting in the promises of God when everything is going wrong in your life. You got this shield of faith. God, I'm going to trust you. And I believe that this trust, this faith, that you are going to protect me. In fact, God, as I go out today, we're in a place of prayer, right? Because we're praying, lead me not into temptation, but what? Deliver me from evil. God, I'm going in this. I need the armor of God. I need uh, to have the belt of truth. Father, I need to have a breastplate of righteousness. I need to have the, the shoes of peace. I need to have this shield of faith to protect me from the attacks that are going to come my way. And I'm going to trust you no matter what. This is my faith. I'm going to believe that you're going to work out the details. Let God do that. Let God work out the details. And it may not happen as you think it ought to happen, but God has a bigger plan for your life. For some of you, the best thing that could happen in your life is for you to get fired this week. Now, that's a strange statement, isn't it? Could it be that God wants to show you that he is immeasurably more powerful than you ever imagined? I'm telling you, the best thing that ever happened in my life was the day that I walked into an office and I was fired and said, clean out your office. Because there's a good possibility if I have not been fired that day that I would not be standing here this day. 
And so many times we think that our employer holds our life in their hands. And they do to a point. But I understand promotion does not come from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. I understand that God has given me my talents, my gifts, and my abilities. And that when I use my abilities to work, that my work becomes worship to him. Because he is the one that has given me the ability to reason. He is the one that has given me the ability to work out problems. He is the one that has given me the, uh, the tools that I have to do the job that I do. And so when I go to work, it is as if I am entering into a worship service. Because I am worshiping the Lord with my job, with my work. I don't worship my job. I worship the Lord that has given me the ability and the talents to do my job. And so when I put him as the leader of my division, the leader of of my employment... I work differently. I'm not going to be lazy because I'm working for a higher power. I'm going to be the best worker that I can be. Because my, uh, my boss is always watching and I want to make him happy. I want to please him. And the way I please him is by saying thank you, by using my gifts and talents in a way that would honor him. The shield of faith gives us certainty. You have certainty in the promises of the Lord because God is going to take care of you. You don't have to worry and you don't have to live in fear. Uh, faith is trusting in the promises of God even when things are, are, are not going your way. Here's the fifth thing. You need to put on the helmet of salvation. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Put the helmet on. You know, when the the team goes out on the field, they're not going to go out on the field without a helmet. In fact, if a helmet comes off during a play, they have to go off to the sidelines and they cannot be in the next play because they have to get make sure that their helmet is in place. Helmet is important. It protects your head. So we're praying God, give me the helmet. What's up? Why do we say that in prayer? Because the biggest battlefield that you will be on will be the battlefield of your mind. It is those thoughts that are raging across your mind. And sometimes those thoughts are negative. And sometimes those thoughts are destructive. Those thoughts come against you to try to wear you down. Said you are not worthy of it. Uh, uh, You are just a... uh, um, You'll never make anything out of your life. You're no good. You're this, you're that. It's all these negative voices that are trying to destroy you. And God said, no. You're going to put on the helmet of salvation. And you're going to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And when the enemy comes in to try to take your thoughts to a negative place, you're going to say no, because the weapons we fight with are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Therefore, we'll bring every thought into the captivity of Jesus Christ. So those negative thoughts are not going to run my life because I know it's important to think positive. Here's why. Because as a man thinketh, that man so he becomes. And so that's why we strive to have the mind of Christ. But you say, Marty, I've got all this negative stuff going through my mind. How do I get all that junk out of my, line, out of my mind? That's why we focus on 21 days of prayer and we say, get the junk out of your life. 
be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you do that? How do you wash your mind of all the garbage that's been put in it? The Bible says that you wash your mind with the Word. That when you read the Scriptures, it is like a soap. It is like a cleansing agent that washes your mind and gives you the strength. You're putting on the helmet of salvation. You're asking the Lord to protect your thought life. And then you can cleanse the junk out of your life by reading the Scriptures. And then when you start thinking Uh, the way God would have you to think, you'll see yourself walking down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and you'll be going in a new direction. The helmet of salvation. Here's the point. The helmet of salvation provides sanity. With it, I protect my mind from evil thoughts. It's my sanity. I, I, I protect my mind with it. So I say, God, give me clear thinking. Our time is up. I need to move on. So the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the sword of the spirit represents your maturity. It's more than just knowing the word of God. But maturity is when you put the word of God into practice. Maturity is when you know the word of God and you put it into practice. That you say, okay, this is how I'm supposed to live. This is what I'm supposed to do. When you have the word of God living inside of you, uh, it becomes a, a direction for you. When you're at a crossroads, it gives you the direction. It gives you the path in which you're to walk. Now, the interesting thing, all of the things up until this point, all of the pieces of the armor have been defensive I mean, the helmet of salvation protects your mind. The, sword, uh, the, the breastplate of righteousness pr- protects your heart. The, f- um, the shoes of peace uh, causes you to be steady. But then we see this, the sword. It's not a defensive uh, piece of equipment. It is an offensive. This is the sword. The sword is the word of God. When you put it into practice, you break the power of the enemy in your life. When Jesus went toe-to-toe with Satan, when he was standing there in the desert, how did Jesus defeat Satan? He defeated him with three words. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. And with those words, it is written. Jesus used the word of God. He defeated Satan. We have God's word living in us. And when we use God's word against the enemy, we will prevail. So, let's wrap this up. How do you put on all this armor? You put on the armor of God through prayer. We're praying the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I ask that you would deliver me from evil. Today, I am putting on the belt of truth. God, help me to walk in integrity. And you just go through it. I am putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Keep my heart pure before you and tender before you. Go through that. God, I'm putting on these shoes of peace. Help me to stay steady in the storm. Help me to be a peacemaker and speak peace. And so we go through this. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. We do it through prayer. Verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for this 
for all of God's people. He is saying that we need to pray, that we pray. We put on the armor of God through prayer. He's telling us to pray, to pray in the spirit, to pray in the spirit where we say, Holy Spirit, come and flow through us. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. And God, when I don't have the words to say, to say, let the Holy Spirit pray through me with groanings and utterings, as Paul would say, that I don't even understand. Let the spirit pray through me in, in uh, heavenly languages that I don't understand, but it speaks and it lines my life up to the will of God. And when I walk in the will of God, I am walking in the pathway of peace. So I pray, I pray, God, let your spirit lead me and guide me. This week we start our final week of 21 days of prayer. And I don't want prayer just to be an event two times a year. But I want it to be a daily event. And I want God, I want you to use this tool to connect you with a power that's greater than yourself. And I realize there's a lot of needs here in this church. There's a lot of needs in this auditorium. Just going through these requests are just staggering. Just please pray that God will hear my prayers. I'm holding on to faith by my fingertips. That's real. Please pray that my heart wouldn't hurt so much anymore. That's real. Please pray for my friends and even the people that I hate. That's real. Please pray for my depression. That's real. You can go stack after stack, hundreds of these. But these came from you. This is your life here. This is my life here. And God is saying into our brokenness and into our messed up and broken world that there's hope. That in the name of Jesus, our lives can be changed. And God is speaking very clearly to each one of you. And he's calling you to a faith and he's calling you to trust him. I know it's hard and I know you don't understand it and I don't understand it either but I am coming to a place of trust and here's what I pray God just give me enough strength for today give me that daily bread give us this day our daily bread and I am praying for you today that God will give you the daily bread the strength for you to make it one more day and that you can operate from a place of victory because Jesus has won the battle. So I got a question for you. What do you, want God, what do you want God to do in your life? What is it? We're getting ready to pray. What do you want God to do in your life? Think about it. Now let's pray. And as we pray, I want you to just put your hands open like this. This is just a, a simple way, God, I receive what you have for me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those watching online. I pray for the hundreds and hundreds of cards that have been turned in. I pray for the names that people have taken time to write names of their friends and loved ones on these windows. I pray for those. 
God, that you would move in this room in power and move in this room with strength. For those that are not saved, that this would be the day that that they would pray, Jesus, save me, forgive me, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. Father, I pray for those that are battling uh, with er erratic thinking. Their thoughts are going crazy. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak peace. Father, I pray for those that are in a relational crisis, that you would come and that you would just bring a calmness and that you would renew that relationship. I pray for those uh, that are having health issues, that God, that, that you would bring healing and strength. God, you know what we need. And so today we present our needs to you. And today with our open arms, we say we receive what you have. Just say that, God, I receive what you have for me. God, I receive what you have for me. I receive that strength. I receive that peace. I receive that help. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.